This is an ABC podcast. Hello, I'm Sarah Lestrange, back with a special debut writers episode for the Book Show podcast listeners. Alice Walker is with me. Alice, what have you been reading? Hey, Sarah. I've been reading a young adult thriller called My Father's Shadow by Ghanai writer Janali Jones. She's not only a writer, but she's a lawyer as well. She works in business affairs for the ABC, though I didn't know that when I picked up the book. Well, I'm glad you made that clear, although there are a lot of writers at the ABC. <laughs> it is hard to avoid us, it's true. So this book has a really gripping opening, so I'm just going to let it speak for itself so you can hear it straight from Janali. Here she is. On the night my dad died, I was shaken from sleep. Kaya, Kaya, wake up, we have to go. What? I was groggy and confused to see mum hovering over me. Pack your clothes, we're leaving in ten minutes. Where? What's going on? She hurried from the room without responding. It seemed like only a few moments ago I'd gone to bed. I'd stayed up past midnight trying to finish an essay for English. It was late January, the new school year barely begun, and the teachers had already put us to work. Trial exams, the HSC, and making every piece of work count, these things took up most of my thoughts. So when she woke me, I was convinced I was late for some important exam. I sat up in bed, and as the haze of sleep cleared, I realised it was still dark outside. I checked my phone on the bedside table. 3.15. A terrible aching feeling began to spread in my stomach. Mum? I got out of bed and caught sight of myself in the wardrobe mirror. My dark hair was ruffled from sleep. I looked like a zombie, I thought, with puffy eyes from studying late, my caramel skin looking paler than usual. I followed the sound of things being moved about. In my parents' room, a duffel bag was open on the bed, clothes piled messily beside it. It didn't look like the bed had been slept in. "'We're going to the mountains,' she said. Ten minutes.' That awful feeling intensified. Mum, you're scaring me. Where's Dad? She paused her rummaging and turned to me with tears in her eyes. He's... He's not coming back. I was numb. That couldn't be right. He just said goodnight to me before I went to bed. I was about to ask what she meant when she turned back to her packing. I told him to stay out of it, she said. She circled the room, picking up objects. A hairbrush, a stick of deodorant, throwing each item at the pile on the bed. I told him it wasn't our problem. He had no business getting involved with those people. Now they know where we live. Her words scared the hell out of me. Wow, that would scare the hell out of anyone, really. And I was definitely hooked by that opening and its sense of urgency. So what happens next? So Kaya and her mum go into hiding in their holiday home in the Blue Mountains, but neither Kaya nor the reader really knows what's going on, and that mystery really drives the novel. So I asked Janali how she knew how much information was enough to draw the reader in. I think it was definitely a process of trial and error. The situation that they're in where her father's just been killed, it sounds, it's quite dramatic, you know, and... It's a lot to take in from, you know, the first page. So I wanted to give clues about what was happening and just the sense of the situation without going into too much detail. And it's also unfortunately drawn from my experience of 
being woken in the middle of the night and hearing that, you know, loved ones have oh, passed really? away. Yeah. So I sort of channeled that into the opening. So, yeah. And into the confused emotions that Kaya is going through in that moment. Mm, yeah, definitely. And we do find out a little bit. We heard some clues there. You know, we, we hear that her, her father's not coming home. There's something to do with uh, some bad people, the police. We later hear he's been a whistleblower in some kind of way. So can you tell me a bit about Kaya and the situation she's in, as much as you're willing to give away, of course? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so Kaya is in her final year of school and she's sort of ripped away from that because uh, of these criminals that have come after her father who was set to testify uh, in a trial uh, as part of him being a whistleblower. And she was inadvertently sort of swept up in some of the events as well. So she's a witness too. So her and her mother decide to flee to the Blue Mountains uh, so that they can, you know, escape with their lives. And uh, Kaya, who suffers from PTSD, uh, is trying to get her memories back so that she can take her father's place and uh, put the criminals away. Mm-hmm. And as the plot develops, I think you've done a really good job drip feeding that information and keeping that intrigue there to find out, okay, well, we're knowing a little bit more, a little bit more, but I still want to know what what is going on. Mm. So are you a fan of thrillers or were you as a young adult? Yeah, not so much as a young adult. It wasn't until after I did a creative writing degree, I did a master's at UTS, that really opened me up to reading more widely because before I was just all about speculative fiction and that's all I would read. And <laughs> So fantasy, science fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so doing the writing degree showed me the value of reading in different genres and, you know, we read everything from like popular fiction to Mills and Boone, <laughs> historical <laughs> fiction. And so that introduced me to a love of different genres. And one of them that I have been reading a lot of over the past few years is uh, thrillers. So that's kind of what inspired me, I think, to read, uh, sorry, to write this book. And I like the sort of whodunit elements of, you know, the audience gets little clues along the way and yeah that was an interesting challenge and it's it's really tough for Kaya you mentioned that uh she and her mum they're holed up in the blue mountains and uh there's this bit that describes a road uh with nothing but bush mountains and valleys on either side it seems like the drive will take you to the kind of place you'd find fugitives and other people hiding from the rest of the world people like us and I thought that was a really great line. I just wanted to know how important the setting was to you because it's such a big part of creating atmosphere in a, in a story like this. So is there a reason you chose the Blue Mountains? Yeah, the Blue Mountains are a wonderful place to visit and, and Mount Wilson is very beautiful as well. Um, That's the know, town the, that, they're, that they're hiding in? Yes, yes. And You know, the Blue Mountains is actually really close to Sydney. You know, the drive doesn't take you that long or train doesn't take that long. But when you're there, it it feels like you are miles away or, you know, a really, really long way from from any, you know, major city. And it reminded me a lot of growing up in the Adelaide Hills, which obviously they're a lot smaller. (laughs) But, um, 
Yeah, a lot of the atmosphere is very similar and I thought that, you know, if you're if you're going to be fleeing somewhere, the Blue Mountains might be a good place to do that because it's, you know, fairly close but also you still have that scope for anonymity in terms mm. of, um, you know, where people would look for you. And that's really what they're after, isn't it? Because Kaya's mum, she set all these rules Kay is not allowed to speak to any strangers. She's not allowed to give away, you know, her name or, or who they are. She can't contact authorities. When she hurts yeah. herself, she can't go to the hospital. But she does manage to make a friend, Eric. Now, he's Korean-Australian and there's this really lovely but sad moment when he's sharing Korean food with Kaya and she feels this kind of loss because she doesn't know much about traditional Indigenous foods. She says her mum hasn't really passed that knowledge on to her. Mm. So I just wanted to ask you about that that moment and I suppose do you see your storytelling as a really important way to pass on culture? Um, yeah, I think that it's important in terms of reflecting different cultural um, experiences and I think that mainstream often see Aboriginal people in a very stereotype way, so much so that when you know, when I, for example, tell people that I'm Aboriginal or, you know, uh, talk about the ways in which I experience my own culture, if it doesn't live up to stereotypes, it's almost like you're disappointing them in some way. Mm. And so I just kind of wanted to ensure that there's reputation, uh, sorry, representation of different kinds of Aboriginal people and, you know, w- just the fact that we aren't all stereotypes and we experience culture in in different ways. And I think that that's also true of many um, immigrants' experience that, you know, they can, you know, move to Australia when they're five and always identify, for example, let's take the example of a Korean person who moves here. They might always strongly identify as being Korean, but then through being in Australia, they might start to lose their language a bit because they're being surrounded by English and, you know, not being able to speak your language, that's a really important part of cultural identity. But a lot of Aboriginal people, unfortunately, don't know their language. So I just kind of wanted to help break down those cliches that a lot of people have about what an Aboriginal person is and and what they look like. Great. Bring on more stories. Alice, how did Janali get her manuscript to publication? She was the winner of the 2015 Black and White Indigenous Writing Fellowship. So that's a competition for unpublished manuscripts run by the State Library of Queensland, and past winners include Claire G. Coleman and Ali Kobiekerman. Two fine writers. And Janali already had a manuscript, but she decided to write a whole new one for her entry. Yeah, so I'd known about Black and Wright ever since they first launched and I was always really interested in submitting to it. And um, the other manuscript that I had, I didn't feel that it was up to scratch. So I wanted to write something new specifically for entering into the prize. So I took part in uh, National Novel Writing Month or NaNoWriMo Uh, which is where you write about, I think it's 1,600 words a day, every day 
for the entirety of November. Wow. And yeah, so it's a really good way of being very productive and getting words on page, but then the words are not necessarily quality work. So you're going to go back and edit it. So I wrote it. Yeah. So I wrote the first full draft in the space of about a month or so and then edited it. So I had a full first draft that I submitted to Black and White and yeah, it got got the award. So that was really such a great experience to have as an early career writer because it's not only about like recognizing that yeah, I actually do have some potential as a writer, but also, you know, you get to work with the Black and White team who are based in the uh, out of the State Library of Queensland, they work with you for 12 months um, back and forth editing before it goes to the publisher. So you kind of get to experience it before it gets <laughs> really serious. So I felt like I was in a safe space. You know, there are Aboriginal editors where I could ask, you know, silly questions and they, they were so, you know, helpful during that process and... Uh, there's also a prize as well. So that's always good. Yeah, for sure. And it's only just come out and it's now four years since you won the prize. So how have you found the publishing process? Was it quite a long one? Yeah, it it was. I think it was longer for me just because there were a number of elements in the original manuscript that probably wasn't appropriate for the young adult audience or it were, they were themes that the publisher wasn't necessarily comfortable with taking on at that time or in that form. So um, I had to go back and change a number of the story elements. And so that's probably why it took a little bit longer. But having said that, I think that it is so much stronger in terms of narrative and, and themes and everything than it was when I first wrote it. So, I, you know, I'm really grateful for that process, not only with the black and white team, but also with Magabala Books for sort of guiding me to mm. make it the best it could be. So it wasn't difficult for you to let go of, you know, this story that you've crafted and let other people have an influence on it? No, not really. I think because I sort of wrote this book in, you know, with a view to submitting it for this particular award, it didn't have as much of that you know, like it's my baby type thing. <laughs> Whereas this other manuscript that I'm working on, which I've been looking at for on and off for the past 10 years or so, I think that one I will have a lot more trouble <laughs> with um, changing things. But, you know, at the same time, you're a writer and, you know, you write what you're in inspired by or what you're interested in. But at the end of the day, if you want to be a published author and you want to sell, uh, the publisher's the one who knows the market better than you. You know, they know the audience. So there has to be some level of trust that the publisher knows what they're doing and the, they know, you know, what's going to work and what won't. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, unless you're a really huge big name writer, <laughs> that there has to be some concessions. It sounds like Janali found the publishing process a positive one. So does she have any advice for other writers? She does have a message for writers starting out. One thing I have learned, which is the sort of belief that I held on to for a very long time, particularly when I was younger, like in my 20s, was that, uh, you know, one day I'd be able to quit my job as a lawyer 
and be a full-time writer and <laughs> everything would be just, you know, me writing my novels. But I've I've learned that there's actually in reality not a lot of people who are able to support themselves full-time just through uh, novel writing and people who are full-time writers are usually more diversified. So I think it's it's more about you're, if you're passionate about writing, make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons, that you're doing it for yourself because it does require a lot of time and determination, perseverance, discipline. So, yeah, I think um, it's just about managing expectations, I think. Mm. So let's celebrate all the people who have actually, you know, managed to pull it off and, and publish, you know, a novel. I'd love to get a recommendation from you for another debut novel. Is there one you've read that you found, you know, you absolutely loved or you just found really interesting for whatever reason? Yeah, um, it's, it's a difficult question because I, I mean, I've think, been thinking about what I've been reading recently and a lot of them are seasoned writers, but one book that I have read about five times that was a debut novel was Isabel Carmody's uh, Obernewton, which is a a young adult Australian writer and I read it when I was going through my fantasy phase as a teenager but um yeah I really recommend Ober Newton and the series that follows it it's a brilliant read there you go Isabel Carmody's 1987 debut Ober Newton and that was Janali Jones speaking about her debut novel My Father's Shadow out now through Magabala Books thanks Alice Walker thanks Sarah Janali will also be a guest at the Black and Bright Literary Festival. So this is a First Nations Literary Festival from the 5th to the 8th of September. Thank you for tuning in today. If you're listening on the website, please subscribe to the podcast and have all those debut writers visit you via your podcast feed. I'm Sarah Lestrange. Catch you very soon on The Book Show. things always come and things always go Surprised in the air Feeling I won't be back Cause things always come And things always go It's just like my mother She told me so You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.